The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. The 2-2. Swing and a miss. Hey, struck out as Hatton goes down. That's eight strikeouts for Shane McClanahan. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. First pitch to him. Line back up the middle, but there is Franco. To the left of the bag, he turns and throws him out, and the Rays have won it in Atlanta. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Welcome to our first show of 2023 and our unique and in-depth look at all things Rays. Our show might have a slightly different look in this 25th anniversary season. We will have perhaps less interviews from week to week, but also go in greater depth with our subjects. On the show today, we'll chat with Jason Adam about his breakthrough season out of the Rays' bullpen and what his experience was like this spring with Team USA. Brian Anderson of Valley Sports Sun gives us his take on the 2023 campaign and what's most important. We break down the roster and team strengths and weaknesses with GM Peter Bendix. Plus, we'll look at the 25th anniversary with principal owner Stuart Sternberg. And we'll also have a clip from our special Zimmer podcast, part of our 25th anniversary content. We start with highlights from the first couple of games. Thursday, Shane McClanahan pitched like an ace, going six shutout innings. Jose Siri homered in the third, and then in the sixth, Tampa Bay started to pull away. The team. Luke Riley grounds one up the middle, base hit into center field. Here is Paredes around third, and he will score the third run, and the Rays try to separate. It's 3-0 in the sixth. The Rays follow that up with a shutdown inning, thanks in part to some terrific defense. Swinging a little looper down the right field line over Margot, circling, dives, and made the catch! Manuel Margot fully outstretched toward the foul line, takes away perhaps a two-run extra base hit. And we go to the stretch, the Rays in front, 3-0, a roar for Margot. The Rays added a solo homer from Wander Franco and posted a 4-0 shutout win. After a day off on Friday, on Saturday, Tampa Bay looked for a series victory over the Tigers with Zach Eflin making his Rays regular season debut. On this day, the Rays got off to a terrific start. From the first base side of the rubber, Turnbull's pitch is lifted in the air to right field towards the alley. Carpenter to his right, can't get it. One bounce and off the wall. Diaz to third will score, loud to third. And a Rosarena on 0-2 doubles to right, and the Rays take a 1-0 lead. Two innings later, Tampa Bay blew the game wide open. 2-1. Swinging a hard hit ball toward the middle. That's going to sneak into center field base hit. Yandy Diaz will round third and score. Another RBI hit. This one for Wander. It's a seven-run inning. It's a snowman for the Rays. It's 8-0 in the third. Franco drove in three runs. Yandy Diaz was a triple shy of the cycle. Tampa Bay won 12-2 and can sweep the series with a victory this afternoon. Coming up, Jason Adam. What was the best part of the USA Baseball experience, and does he have any dad jokes for us? Find out right after this on the Rays Baseball Network. Well, we continue on this week in Rays Baseball, and our featured guest on this first Sunday of the regular season is a guy who is back with the team and also back from his experience with Team USA, and that's Jason Adam. Jason, thanks so much for joining us. Glad to be on and glad to be back, too. And we're glad to have you. But before we get into this season ahead, I want to touch on your experience with Team USA. What did it mean to you, and what was it all like? Yeah, it was an unbelievable experience. I mean, uh, it's really hard to put into words. It, it meant so much getting the chance to represent our country. I mean, I'm incredibly thankful to have grown up here in this country. Um, and so, yeah, to put the USA on your chest and go out there um, and, and have a bigger purpose um, was, was really cool. Um, it was fun meeting all the guys. It was fun. Um, it's a, an experience that I'll take with me and, and be telling my grandkids about. What were the chills like when you first put on that jersey and stood on the white lines for the anthem? I'm sure it had to be different than the white lines for any anthem you've heard at a regular season baseball game or even playoffs. Right, yeah. It's uh, it's the only thing you, I can compare it to is the playoffs last year, and it was – and both are just uniquely different. I mean, the playoffs you dream about your whole baseball career, but – Representing your country is something that you dream about even as a kid before you really know what sports you like when you're watching the Olympics and stuff like that. So hearing the national anthem, um, having the USA on your chest, and, and teaming up with the guys that you just met a few days ago but you already feel bonded was, was really cool. 
you also had your family out there, your wife and your kids. What did it mean to them, and what was that like for you? Yeah, they, they didn't want to miss it. Um, traveling with kids is not the easiest, but uh, my wife was like, no, we're not going to miss this this experience. Um, and, I mean, every game I get to have my that I get to have my wife and kids at is just special. It's playing baseball for a living in general is a huge blessing. So I want to share that with them. I want to make it a, uh, a joyful experience that they can – they can look back on with fondness, and though it's a chaotic life, they can look back on and be like, this was a really fun experience that we got to do together. You had joked before you went out there that you were going to ask, talk to Mike Trout about the home run he hit off you. <laughs> did you get to do that? I did. I told him that hurt my feelings a little bit. No, but he he, he remembered. He remembered. He's like, oh, yeah, slider. I'm like, yeah, go for, yeah. I guess I hung it a little bit, huh? But, uh, no, great. He's a great guy. Everybody on that team, that, that was one of the coolest parts is you're, you're dealing with a team of superstars, but they are all just phenomenal men, great teammates, guys that um, I'd go to battle with any day. Did you learn anything that you can take away and will help you, or did just the speed of the game in those moments – you think will help you this year? I think both. Um, the speed, playing in high high leverage, intense games in spring, I think was is hugely beneficial. Um, kind of get that out of the way so that now once season starts, every game matters in season. Um, so I kind of feel like I have a few of those under my belt, which is helpful. But also seeing those guys prepare, seeing Presley prepare, seeing Devin prepare, seeing even the hitters prepare, and some of their mindset of just trusting we had like trusting you have this ability and it'll show up you don't you want to do everything to prepare but at the end of the day you go out you step between those white lines and trust that your stuff will be there and you just go compete what did you keep from all of this and what are you keeping and what are you giving to family <laughs> uh, I, everything i kept everything they'd let me um but uh, i was i was able to get a jersey uh signed by the whole team so that i'm gonna frame that um that's pretty special and then, you know, just try to try to give stuff away to some people that have impacted me along the way. I've had a lot of really good pitching coaches. I've had a lot of really good just friends, family, strength coaches, everything. Um, and it's a memorable experience that I would not be there without them. Um, so, obviously, my wife got some cool memorabilia. The kids, we tried to get them some, some USA gear that they'll probably grow out of in, within like a month. But, uh, no, I tried to keep a lot of memorabilia just because it's a, it's a really fun experience. Speaking of family, you've got a fourth on the way now. I do, I do, I do, and uh, chaos grows. But what you know? What are we gonna do? No, I I can't wait. It's another girl, so four little girls running around. Um, I'll be spoiled rotten one of these days, I think. You also will be either that or quite the softball coach, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm thinking tennis. I think that'll be a good retirement sport for me. So I'm hoping they play tennis so I can go out there and swing it with them. Um, you're gonna be quite outnumbered, though. Uh, <laughs> I mean, five one is five one. That's that's a tough. That's tough. Yeah, there's, there's. I'm gonna be significantly outnumbered. We'll have to. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just just keep loving them, I guess, and hopefully they'll they'll return the love for me. But uh, I don't know. There's something cool about the father daughter relationship. You know, I think a lot of times girls argue with their moms, and then they come to dad for comfort. So hopefully, I can offer that. As a dad of two, I, I uh, concur a bit on that one. Hey, uh, you obviously also are, are obviously comfortable with every the way things are going home, but so comfortable here. Um, what has this place meant to you? Is is you now in your second season here? Yeah, the the Rays have been so great to me. I mean, from Snides to everybody along the way, the front office. Um, I mean, even Stan last year. Just everybody has impacted me in such a great way. I would not be – I mean, I came into spring last year saying, I hope I break and I ho- hope I somehow get a full season of service. And because of what they were able to teach me, how they were able to pour into me, thankfully I, I was able to do that and, and have some success. So, um, I mean, I think I owe kind of a lot of the resurrection of my career to this organization, and I, I'm thankful. I'd love to play here for the next 10 years. So um, I love it here. Love the people and very thankful for Snyder and his team and the whole whole front office and everybody. Jason Adam with us on This Week in Rays Baseball. So what did they teach you that you think has allowed you to do all that? I think in its simplest form, they talk a lot about throwing strikes, but they give you practical ways to do that, whether it's where the catcher sets up, um, intention with your thoughts. So just throwing strikes early and then expanding and going for the strikeout after that. 
So they taught me that about that. They taught me about pitch profiles, like what is a good slider, what is a good changeup, and and that, so we're chasing those good ones. Whereas in the past, I kind of really didn't know. Like, oh, that one felt pretty good, but I don't know, you know. So to have some tangible goals, I think helped. And then, uh, yeah, and then they just instill confidence. They do a great job of telling us how we're good, why we're good, and and how to execute on that. So did they help you more on the human side? Or more on the analytical side of this? I think they do a great job of meshing it. Like, there are analytics involved with what makes a good slider a good slider and a good changeup a good changeup. But they also, what they're so good at, and I think what separates them from the pack is they humanize it and they realize we are human. So, how do you create these analytically good pitches consistently with a human? Um, We're not robots. We'd love to be sometimes, but we're not. Um, So, how do you just maximize? and the opportunities and and maximize the success and over time the numbers should play out when was the aha or gotcha moment for you last year was there a point where you're like okay i really feel this is all going to work out yeah oh that's a good question there were several i think um well when they first told me like just throw strike one and strike two right down the middle and i was like okay, I guess I'll try that out. And it was just in spring training. I did it and I kind of flinched thinking like, oh, they're going to, they're going to hit it right back at me. And I was like, oh, they missed. I was like, okay, sir, maybe there's something to that. And then just as the season progressed um, and having more success and seeing, seeing results line up, it was kind of like, okay, yeah, I think they really know what they're talking about. (laughs) Who was most helpful to you among your teammates? We're going to touch on Kyle Snyder, but who also helped you feel comfortable in your own skin here? Yeah. The whole bullpen. The whole bullpen is awesome. It's so it's laid like everyone down there does a great job of being laid back and then flipping the switch when the when the phone rings for your name. Um, so the whole bullpen help. And then I think playing catch with Kittredge last year, he was my catch partner um, until he got hurt. And I think just seeing how he went about his work, um, how his arm works and, and his intent with how he throws. So um, I think that was helpful just to see him do that and. I kind of just picked up on some of his cues, and we'd talk after we play catch. And he was—he has a good eye for um, pitching mechanics. So I think he was—he was probably, if I had to pick one, that was probably the most impactful part for me. Did it change your daily routine in the pen at all? And what is your routine like? Because you mentioned turning it on at the right time. What 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 is a day like in a nine-inning game? Yeah, it's uh, it's a little different, I guess, with the Rays because you know we can we can kind of launch the bullpen early. Um, so you have to be ready earlier, but it's, you're just kind of watching the game, talking, talking about baseball, but also talking about life until about like the fourth or fifth. And then you start, you know, you're eyeing the pitch count, you're eyeing the situation, seeing where they're at in the lineup, but still trying for me, I prefer to just stay relaxed and, you know, I go in the back room and, um, get make sure my body's warm so that if the phone rings and then you kind of figure out like all right this pocket a few righties coming up pitchers at 85 90 pitches this could like this could be me and then you just phone rings and and you roll obviously it helps the assistance you've got from Kyle Snyder describe what he's meant to you and why he's been so important to you yeah I think I mean he is widely regarded as the best pitching coach in the league with good and I agree I mean and I've had good pitching coaches along the way but he just he separates himself um, in so many ways he's he's brilliant he knows what are good pitches and why they work and then he knows how to communicate that he knows how to tell you what to do and just keep things simple there was a stretch last uh, last season where things were rolling really well for me and I kept being like what do you got and he's like no nothing he's not going to just tinker with you Though I'm sure he had things he wanted to fix, but he's like, listen, I'm going to keep instilling. He's big on instilling confidence, so he instilled confidence by saying, no, you're good. Um, and then so that's you start picking up on that confidence. And then when he speaks, you know you know he has good reason to speak, and you're going to listen and try to put into action whatever he says. Sounds like, you know, on the human side, he did more for you than anything. Yeah, he, he's hugely impactful. Um I mean, and he's a huge part of the reason guys love pitching here. He does a phenomenal job um, just humanizing things, but he's really – he's he's definitely smarter than me. So, <laughs> like, I'm happy to listen. Um, but, yeah, he he gets a ton of praise, and he deserves more than, more than he gets. 
Jason Adam with us on this week in Rays Baseball. Uh, you talked about being relaxed in the bullpen. You're supposed to be king of the dad jokes. So did you pick anything up new this offseason? Do you want to try a couple on us? <laughs> oh, no. No, I can't. they got to be in the moment. I can't. I, I'm not a good scripted dad joke. I just I like a good pun here and there. And uh, anytime the people groan and say that's terrible, those are the ones I love. Who has surprised anyone surprised you during the course of spring training or or uh, as we get you know started this weekend with the regular season that you're like, oh, this could be a good addition in terms of competing? Yeah, you know, Calvin Fauche's coming out of his shell a little bit. He's brought some really good dad jokes. So and he's not even a dad yet. So he's got a bright future. <laughs> if, speaking of bullpen guys, a lot of people have looked at Calvin as a guy who could take a big jump this year. You took the big jump last year. Is he one? And if not, who are some other guys who you saw during the course of the spring and went, ooh, yeah. there, there's another guy? Yeah. Yeah, no, Calvin, he, he's electric. His stuff is electric. So I think he's going to – I think he will take a huge – he'll be – people will be talking about him. I mean, his stuff is dominant. He's got a good head on his shoulders, so – I think he's going to have a great year. And then, other, I mean, I haven't had the luxury of watching everybody that much this spring. Um, Clev's electric, but everyone kind of knows that, the way he finished the year last year. So it's like, I mean, the whole bullpen is crazy. Um, and that's what the Rays are known for. But, yeah, it is it is a fun bullpen to watch. This season will go even better than last year from your standpoint if? Well, we win the World Series. <laughs> I think that's the that's what we all want. Um, that's the goal. I think we just got to go out there and take it. I mean, as cliche as it sounds, take it one pitch at a time. And I think, I mean, we match up with any team in the league. Um, I think we can, we should dominate every team out there. So we just got to take care of our business um, from strike one through the end of the game. And our hitters will take care of their business. And, and we'll be, I think we'll be sitting pretty. You do have one change, and that is that Jorge Moncada is now the bullpen coach as Stan Borowski retired. Mm-hmm. How have you got to know Jorge that well yet, and how similar and different is he from Stan? He's great. Um, I mean, I've only got to throw with like in one game with him as the bullpen coach, but he's—I mean—he fits right in. Um, and the Rays do a great job of that of managing personality, so they—they they know he's a great personality for the bullpen. He's been intentional about getting to know everybody. Um, even guys that aren't breaking with the team, he knows them. So when they come up, it'll be um, like they won't miss a step. Um, so he's done a great job getting out there. He's going to be a great fit. We got, I mean, and we got Mish and Charlie, our catchers, who are, are going to help smooth that transition because they know how everything works. And, I mean, really all we got to do, do down there is have some fun and throw some strikes. Well, here's to much more of that this year as it was last year. We appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for having me on. Jason Adam will continue with more in just a moment. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. Baseball, great to chat with Jason Adam. Certainly he's a big part of the mix, and so is the guy I'm going to chat with now, and that's on the TV side. That's Brian Anderson. BA, great to talk with you on this uh, anniversary season. Should be a whole lot of fun. Oh, there's no question about it. I'll tell you, I really haven't been this fired up going into a season in quite some time because I believe that you have a Rays team uh, that's that's better than in, in past years. I, I think that they really have a ton of athleticism, a ton of good players. Of course, the pitching, the you know, I think the offense is going to be much improved. And I know that that was a big focal point going into the offseason. And it didn't seem that, like they did a lot, didn't really bring anybody in. But I think that if they are blessed with with good health throughout the season, that this uh, offense is going to be much better than people anticipate. And I just think that they're hungry. You know, I, I think that them really having to dig deep last year to get into the postseason and then, then score just the one run in 24 innings against the Guardians, I think that left a bitter taste. And so I think that you've got a hungry, motivated group that uh, is poised to maybe sneak up on some people because you don't hear a lot of people talking about the Rays. AL East, is, it's the Yankees and the Blue Jays. And, yeah, the Rays are okay, but – I think they're a whole lot better than okay, and I think we'll find that out this uh, this spring and summer. You know, you referred to a lot there that I want to kind of unpack, but the continuity is something that I think means something. You've been on teams where maybe you would hit a rut or you didn't get over the hump the previous year. How much do you think the fact that all these guys went through that together for the most part, other than Eflin and, and Kevin Kelly, 
and now we're back for another try at this. I think it's huge. I, I think continuity in sports, whether it be with your roster or with your coaching staff, is hugely important. You know, the, the Rays, there's an awful lot of turnover from year to year. But a lot of times, you know, that's a piece here or there in the lineup and maybe something out in the bullpen. But to have the majority of the team back, and again, I, I feel like there's a, there's a hunger there. There's a feel like we were, you know, we were hit by the injury bug and we're not able to accomplish what we know we're capable of accomplishing. And now you've got a clean slate and you've got an opportunity to go out there in 2023 and do that. And on top of all that, the continuity is with a group of guys who care about each other. I mean, the, the, this is a close knit team. It really is a team. And I think that while you can still win when you've got, 26 players and 26 different cabs when the game's over. I still think that a close knit team and guys pulling for guys and guys rooting for, you know, uh, you know, their teammates. I think that that does matter. That vibe, that positivity throughout a clubhouse every day for, you know, seven, eight months, it matters. And, and you have that with this team. All of that said, you know, Dave used to say, and we'll refer to him a, a fair amount on this program over the course of the year and our broadcast, your best players got to be your best players. And I really thought on opening day, Shane McClanahan set a tone. Not only is he a really good teammate, is he hungry, but he set a tone, I think, for this team and for the season, the way he went out there. Which is exactly why he took the ball on opening day. That That's what you want. Your opening day starter is not only your ace, but he is your tone setter period end of discussion and he absolutely lived up to it and so you love the fact that he went out there and was as efficient and as effective as he was he did set the tone you know Jose Siri who's a guy that I feel is you know kind of a, a wild card I, I can't mm -hmm. wait to see you know you know what you're going to get defensively you know he's got the strong arm he can track everything down he's going to make spectacular fantastic plays in the outfield what's he going to be able to give you offensively how is he going you know, to put that part of his game together off the bat, got it. He got a cutter in the middle of the plate. One of the few mistakes that, uh, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez made in, on that opening day. And he absolutely smoked it out of there. And so everything was encouraging, but, but you're right. Shane was the guy and that's why you make that start in game one. And we all know at some point he's got the ability to be an MVP type candidate. And it's just a question of at what point, and he's so young, does he put it together? You saw Jose Ramirez last year, who who it took him a couple of years before he really took off and became a premier player in this league. It's a question of not if, but when, I think, for Wander. I, I think you're right. And I think that maybe what uh, could speed that timeline up is what he went through a season ago. You know, he, the, the, the much ballyhooed, the prospect, Major League Baseball number one prospect for two seasons in a row, gets to the big leagues, and then last year was his year. He was going to go off and establish himself as one of the best players in the game. And he was, it was limited by injury. You know, you had the shortened spring training, uh, you know, he was nicked up and never really gave able to get completely on track. Even having said that you saw flashes of brilliance, but it was just limited by, you know, he just was not on the field. Like, like he's going to be hopefully going forward. So I think learning about himself, uh, learning, the game, the grind of the game over six months. I think that if he played it right in the off season, that he's in a better spot mentally, he's in a better spot physically, understands what this is going to take to be able to go from game one to game 162 and then into the postseason. And that mental part may help speed this up because we know the physical tools are there. No question. And look, Shane McClanahan and Wander Franco will get some headlines. Probably same for Randy Rosarena and, and Tyler Glass now. The guy who is throwing today, Jeffrey Springs, for me, flies under the radar on a national level. I think both of us have an idea how good he is and what a good pitcher, true pitcher he is. You, that Right there. That's the word. The reason that he doesn't get the accolades uh, you know, around the league and, and, and nationally, he doesn't light up the radar gun. You know, we, we can't catch a little gif of him hitting 101. I mean, great. That's that, that's awesome. And, and if we could all do it, we, it would, we would. But he doesn't do that. He throws 90 to 92, 91, 92, maybe 93. But he knows how to pitch. That's the key word that you use. He is a pitcher. That's not celebrated anymore. It's all about the measurables and the analytics and the spin and the miles per hour, the velocity. 
And Jeffrey goes, that's great. Let them have all the headlines while I just go out and, and, and pitch well and put my team in a, a position to win every single time I take the mound. Uh, what, you saw him in spring training. I got to do two of his games in spring training, and it was the first time I saw him, I'm like, that may be as good as I've seen Jeffrey Springs. Mm-hmm. The next time I saw him, I'm like, he was better this time than he was last time. That's how efficient and effective he is. He's And he keeps it simple. You know, he's got the breaking ball that he's been changing the shape and the speed on, but the fastball and the changeup, the ability to attack all four quadrants of the strike zone, and with that changeup to get the amount of chase that he gets. He's one of the top, you know, most chased pitchers in Major League Baseball of swings on pitches outside of the zone. The way that he's able to tunnel his pitches and convince you, okay, that's going to be there, and by the time that ball gets there, it's out of the zone, and he picks up a lot of swings and misses, and a lot of it is the changeup to the right-handed hitter. He is uh, he is so fun to watch because he pitches in a style that I did, and you don't see it uh, that often anymore. It's all about stuff. He's got good stuff, but he's got a better formula. And he reads swings really well. I, yeah. I don't. There there are very few pitchers today who you see adjust when they see hitters take a certain type of swing in a certain count. He does that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's a gift. That really is a gift. You know, I, I was able to do that. I could only, I could only have lasted in the big leagues as, as long as I did by being to have that ability. But even within that ability, there are guys that take it to the next level. Think Greg Maddox, Greg mm-hmm. Maddox saw things that, that, you know, even guys that are trained to read swings, read a hitter's body language, he would pick up stuff that you're, that you would miss. You'd be like, Oh, wow. And, you know, he pointed out and you'd be like, okay, yeah, yeah. But it's like next level. And in the game today, Jeffrey Springs does that as well as anybody. You're right. And that's what makes it more effective because he sees a hitter's approach. He sees a flinch, maybe a way, maybe a way that a pitch was taken. Forget even the swing. Just the way that maybe the hitter took the pitch, told him what half of the plate he's looking at. And so he's able to make those quick adjustments out there on the mound based off what he is seeing reaction wise to his pitches. And that's a, that's a really special attribute. We have another minute or so uh, BA, but you mentioned a wild card in Jose Siri. I brought up probably an underplayed guy in Jeffrey Springs. Who's someone else that you think needs to get more attention as much as the focus will be on what a team this is. Wow. Let me think here. You know, the first guy that comes to mind, there's two of them. And you know, I, I, one of them, I think 120 games he played in last year. So I'll double dip right here. And I, I apologize. But Isak Paredes, you know, we saw what he was capable of as far as, you know, 20 home runs. But he was pull in the air guy or nothing else. And the average was just 205. I think that there's more for him offensively than even that he showed last year. The 20 home runs, very impressive. He kind of put himself on the map. The 205 average, I think there's more there. I, I, I think we saw a glimpse of that in the WBC where he hit 375. Granted, small, you know, small scale or, uh, you know, sample size, but but he hit 375. So I, I'm interested in watching him maybe really blossom right before our very eyes. And Harold Ramirez, you know, this is a guy that very quietly last year in 120 games hit 300 with a 343 on base. He just finds a way to hit him where they ain't. You know, his first two swings, he will come out of his shoes, but then he has an approach. And I think that that is going to bode well in this no more shifts uh, game that we're playing right now. And so with those two strikes and his ability to go back through the middle of the field, uh, he may may have a better year. Who knows? But I think those are two guys that kind of have, you know, that fly under the radar that are key contributors and and hopefully see them take even a, a next step in their development. B.A., good stuff, and we look forward to chatting with you all season long, my friend. Absolutely, Neil. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. That's Brian Anderson of Bally Sports Sun. In a moment, we'll hear from Peter Bendix. We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball and joined now by Rays General Manager Peter Bendix. And, Peter, first of all, give us your feel as we're in this first weekend of the season what your hopes and expectations are for this group. We know that the division is always going to be extremely competitive, and that's something we relish. I think we have as strong a team as we've had in a while, and we need to stay healthy. We need to be consistent. Those are important themes for every club, but we have a lot of talent. 
top end talent, talent throughout the the roster, talent throughout the organization. I'm really excited to see how that plays out, and our expectations for the season are really high. Let's go through maybe some of the final decisions that went into the roster. Um, obviously, Tyler Glasnow's injury led to a decision on the fifth starter. What made Josh Fleming the guy? for this time. Obviously, you have the ability to change the roster as you go. We know what we're getting with Flem, and we know that he's got a lot of talent. He's really, really tough on left-handed hitters. We're hoping that the matchup, the first couple of outings that he's going to have, might be a little more favorable for him than for a right-hander. We'll see how it plays out. That's certainly part of the decision there. He also really showed a, a really good job this spring of kind of recovering. When things started to go off the rails, he was able to bring it back on pretty quickly. And I think that's the result of his maturity as a pitcher. He pounds the strike zone. He's got he's really tough on lefties. He's improving against righties. He can take the ball and, you know, throw 90, 100 pitches if we need him to. And we just kind of know what we're getting. And that's an important thing for us right now. The last two spots in the bullpen were among the other decisions you had to make. Probably a Somewhat more difficult with Kevin Kelly because you knew a whole lot less than Calvin Fauché? Yeah, I think that's fair. Kevin Kelly had a good spring, and he improved a lot throughout the spring, especially in strike throwing and kind of confidence in himself on the mound. His stuff is really good. The fastball and the slider combination move east-west as much as any pitcher in baseball. He was able to improve the cutter, which is something we think is going to be useful against left-handers. And if he can throw strikes, we've seen that he can especially be tough on right-handed hitters. So we'll see how it plays out over the course of the season, but he really, I think, opened some eyes throughout camp. And Calvin Fauché, he suffered a little bit of a, a setback at the beginning of camp. But boy, when he came back from his first bullpen session all the way through the end of camp, he was as dominant as he's been. And he's got fantastic stuff. It's strike throwing with him, and I think he's really improved in that a lot as well. We had Jason Adam on the, the program earlier, and you know, I asked for maybe an arm that could kind of take off like he did last year. And he said, well, why not Calvin? Yeah, when we acquired Calvin, we saw somebody with really good stuff and maybe some other issues that he needed to work through. I think the version of him right now compared to the version of him who came up against the Angels last season, it's a totally different person. It's night and day in terms of his self-confidence and his just belief in himself, which is a really big component in pitching. Speaking of confidence, obviously performance had something to do with it, but Luke Raley and Josh Lowe essentially won the last two roster spots on the position player side. How do you think their confidence changed from, let's say, spring training last year to spring training this year? With Luke, the fact that he made an adjustment this offseason, it kind of had our coaches buzzing even before games started. And then to see the results in spring training be so positive, both in terms of the power output, which we know is is there, but also his ability to play first base, his ability to make more contact, some of the question marks. And I think he really started to believe in himself more, that he was a, a better version of himself, and the results certainly played out. With Josh, he struggled last year. He'd be the first to tell you that he learned a lot from that. He understands what he needs to do to be successful against big league pitching, and now it's about implementing those adjustments. And that was the main thing we were looking for with Josh in uh, spring training was how is he doing against fastballs? How is he doing against velocity? What were his mechanics like? What was his approach? All of those things are trending in a positive direction. Overall, where do you see and we're chatting with Peter Bendix on This Week in Race Baseball. Where do you see Peter as the greatest strengths of this group overall? I think our pitching is a chance to be excellent. Our, our rotation, top to bottom, the depth that we have kind of in AAA that you know you're, we're going to lean on just given how pitchers work and injuries that are likely to occur. Our bullpen is deep, is strong, is versatile, left, right, different looks, I think we have a chance to really be, keep ourselves in every game with our pitching and our defense. And then on the offensive side, I mean, that's always – that's certainly – that I think health probably played a bigger factor in your offensive drop-off last year than anything else? I, I think so. Our top two players, Wander and, and Bilal, missed, what, 180 games between the two of them? That's a lot of output to lose over the course of a season. Between that and the fact that we now have – more experience underneath guys like Josh Lowe, guys like Taylor Walls, 
expect that that experience will lead to better performance from them. And then you have just the depth that we, we always need to rely on, again, on the 26-man roster in Durham, throughout the organization. Guys are going to get better. Guys are going to get worse. It's hard to know who is who, but we have so much talent to begin with that we're excited to see which guys are able to get better. I think this early in the year, there's always going to be some concern. What, Peter, on your mind comes into play as I'm a little bit concerned about X. Consistency. Uh, with young players, consistency might be the biggest hurdle. We have guys who have a tremendous amount of talent, but being able to be themselves, the best version of themselves, day in and day out for 162 games, that's really hard to do. And it, you can't really learn it until you get to the big leagues. We're seeing, we saw last year with guys struggling with that consistency. I think this year we have the chance to ha be a lot better with that because of the experience that was learned last year, two years ago. But consistency is really tough, and so that's probably the biggest concern right now. Speaking of, Randy Rosarena was a guy who has put up really good numbers the last couple of years. I mean, last year, 20, 30, 40, with uh, the first guy to do that uh, you know, since Mookie Betts. But he wants to be more consistent. How much do you think the World Baseball Classic experience will help him get there? It can only help. I think we see with Randy that he rises to the level of competition. He rises to the stakes. We saw that in the playoffs. We saw that in the WBC. And I think being able to then take that level of ability and apply it for an entire season, the results could be pretty special. Overall, you had a dozen players in your camp and several who are on the opening day or were on the opening day roster play in the WBC. Do you think that helped? get the group maybe a little more ready for the start of the regular season? It was a different camp because of that, but the WBC was an overwhelmingly positive experience from everybody I spoke with. Um, and being able to have that level of intensity, those games, that stakes early in the season, gets you ready for the season. And it gets development. It gets you know, high leverage situations early on that you wouldn't normally have gets the adrenaline flowing and I think is a positive for the players. Overall, you guys had a very unique spring. You start in the Orlando area at ESPN. You finish up at Tropicana Field. There are some who see that as an advantage because you got a lot of young players, the ability to get reps under the dome. How do you think that experience played out and will impact this year's 2023 group? It was a very positive experience. Our time in Orlando was great. Disney was wonderful to work with, very accommodating, very helpful. And most importantly, it didn't feel that different. As a result, guys were able to focus on baseball. There were not as many distractions as we feared that there would be in a new facility with different question marks. Guys focused on baseball. They were able to get ready for the season, and I think that's really the goal of spring training. I think you were probably at almost every spring training game, if not every spring training game. You got to see a lot of new staff members working together. You take a look. There, I think there's six now that were are in their first or second year on Kevin's staff. How do you feel about the way the group is now gelling and can really help this the team, the players, take off during the course of this season? I'm really, really happy and really proud with how our staff is coming together. You never know how it's going to be with so many new staff members, so many relatively inexperienced, at least at the major league level, staff members. To see the cohesiveness, the support, the camaraderie, the leadership from this group, it's everything we could have hoped for. We'll see, obviously, how things play out over a long season, but this is as good of a start as we could have possibly imagined. This division is still, I think, the toughest in baseball and the toughest in the sport. What is something that maybe fans should know about the way the division is lined up beyond that? It'll be really interesting to see how the impact of the schedule change this year, where the everybody's playing outside of the division more frequently. Very possible to me that the strength of the AL East is going to become perhaps more apparent to those who are not within the division when we don't have to play each other as many times. And instead of having 19 games against the Red Sox and Blue Jays and Yankees, we have 13 games. Those six games against every other team, they're spread around the rest of the league, and I'm pretty excited for that. So you expect an even tougher race in some regards in terms of the way the division may shake out. That's what makes it so much fun. As, as we get set for, um, you know, to really embark on the journey, now get into the grind of playing games every single day, this team gets where it wants to, wins a division, wins 90-plus games, is in the playoff position it wants to in October if. 
if what? We have a few really high-end, talented players. Shane McClanahan comes to mind. Wanda Franco comes to mind. Yandy Diaz, Brandon Lau. Those guys can stay healthy. If those guys can perform to their ability, we can make a really deep run. Well, let's hope that happens. Peter, we appreciate a few minutes on This Week in Race Baseball. Thanks, Neil. That's Peter Bendix, general manager of the Tampa Bay Rays. We'll continue on This Week in Race Baseball right after this. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on This Week in Race Baseball with Rays principal owner Stuart Sternberg with us on this opening weekend. And, you know, from an obvious standpoint, there's always a lot of excitement. But what excites you most about opening weekends of a season? Well, I think back to when I was a kid and uh, you have that that sort of uh, out of town startup in spring training. And the first day, you know, there's pitchers and catchers and then the whole squad. And it just slowly, slowly builds. But none of it prepares you for the actual opening day and to have everybody back in the stadium and all screaming as one uh, and the excitement and the anticipation of a full season is amazing. This is also the 25th anniversary season. So what are the things that you appreciate and excite you most about that? Well, we've got a very competitive team coming into the year, first of all. Uh, first and foremost, <laughs> we're not disrespecting the 25th anniversary, um, you know, and, and running a subpar team out there. Uh, in addition to that, this is a team that, uh, you know, the fans know well. Uh, practically every one of them was here last year. Maybe only a couple of players weren't in our system or really didn't even play in the major league. So uh, there aren't a lot of new faces to get to know this year. Uh, which is always a kind of a fun part and an interesting part, but this year that's not the case. <clears throat> and uh, it, it's forced in a lot of good ways some uh, retrospection uh, in, in, you know, not just uh, the Rays, but also how much ground 25 years really is. Uh, everybody still thinks of it as a new franchise, an expansion franchise, but uh, we're certainly to the point that, uh, you know, if there was a kid around who was seven and the team came here, uh, they're now in their 30s, so it's a big deal. And on this weekend, on this Sunday, Don Zimmer is posthumously inducted into the Hall of Fame as the first Hall of Fame inductee. What did he mean to you? Dramatic amount. I mean, you know, we've got his number retired already. Uh, in the 66, you know, he changed it every year. So, it, you know, it wasn't just, you know, one of his numbers from one of his places. He wore it here and he only wore it here. Uh, 66th year in baseball. But, um he, he meant a ton to me because when I first came on, he was very welcoming. Uh, he was used to having a lot of change throughout the game. Uh, he was with many organizations, many teammates, many front office people, and he spoke to me about that quite often. We've had a huge amount of stability here, fortunately, only two managers in my time here. Uh, you know, the two, two presidents of baseball operations, or three actually, because Matt stepped in for a period of time. Uh, but things... <coughs> Excuse me. Things have evolved here over the years, but uh, Don was was very much to put in perspective that baseball is just a lot of change season to season. And in terms of change this year, there is a lot of change on the field with the new roles. I'm kind of curious what you thought of the change. It, does it bring a lot of old school back just in terms of the pace of play? I, I th rather new or old, I think of it as just the, the, the pace of the game that I was always accustomed to, that quite frankly most fans are accustomed to. Uh, it really was what the game was all about, not just uh, 40 years ago, 70 years ago, but even 15, 20 years ago. Uh, and we just saw it slowly evolve into something where the pitcher just didn't deliver the ball and the batter just didn't stay in the box. And I remember Mike Hargrove being called like the human rain delay or something, and he'd be fixing into all the stepping and everything else. And it was cute for a little while, but it just got worse and worse where players seemed to be outdoing themselves in a lot of gamesmanship. So the short version that's, uh, is that... I'm thrilled with the changes. I was advocating especially the idea of getting the, the pitcher basically to throw the ball and the, and the hitter to stay in the box and hit the ball. And all the other things around it are a little bit of noise. I wasn't quite in favor of eliminating the shift, but we'll see how that comes into play. But mostly just the pace of the game, not even the length of the game, is I think has improved and will improve dramatically, and it's going to be spectacular. Whether you like it or not, I kind of believe that some of the other rules can actually benefit the Rays. The lack of shifting benefits, I think, athletic teams. And the Rays are an athletic team and can take advantage of the base running uh, rules on throws over to first. Interestingly, uh, on the shift side, we had actually uh, moved to a point where we were shifting a lot less than most teams. So 
we we were um, we were kind of ready to take advantage of it on the other side of the of the of the ball, where if teams kept shifting and did you know there was an overuse going on. Let's just say, uh, and we felt there was some opportunity there. But past all that, um, I'm not in favor of doing away with it because I do think it brings back a portion of the game that we're trying to do away with that encourages a big swing and miss from left-handed batters who are just looking to hit the ball out. And they're less penalized because their hard-hit balls to the right side that they sometimes hit uh, won't be outs any longer. Uh, the game had gotten away from those, as I call them, donkeys. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, I think they're going to creep back into the game, and it's not a very interesting part of the game for me. You like the athleticism, obviously. Yes. So to your point, uh, I, all the teams are looking to get athletic. Uh, many teams have already made a movement in that area. Uh, I think it just makes the game more interesting at the end of the day. I don't think it provides us any advantages uh, or disadvantages. Um, but at the end of the day, we really can't necessarily even afford to have those you know, big, consistent, sort of dunky, left-handed guys who make a fortune of money that you either stick at first base or DH. Uh, we've got to make our dollars go further in other ways. Understood. You, you know, we talk about change in the game, but there's also change – in the stands, and uh, you've got the shortstop area where now people can get concessions a whole lot quicker, and we're going to touch, too, on some new concession areas. Yeah, we're, it's, uh, we're pretty excited. With that. It, was a, it was a good size investment for us. Uh, as everybody knows, you know, the, the, the TROP's life expectancy at this point is, you know, is, is measured in you know, five years, six years or so, uh, but we, we put a brand-new scoreboard in this year as well. We did the shortstop. Uh, which I'm excited because my son actually came up with a name for that, and I think it's pretty good. Um, and I think, you know, people find it interesting. If you've ever gone into one of those stores where you just walk in and walk out, uh, and if you haven't, you're going to find it kind of cool to try out. We've got some great food items. I would still stack up our um, our concessions as, as second to none in all of baseball, and for that matter, uh, any outdoor sport. And I know you're a foodie, so of the new foods that are here at the ballpark, give us a taste of what you like. I am ecstatic about the uh, pretzel dogs, and uh, I guess it really what, which I found out after I tasted the first one. We're going to make that we make the pretzels fresh every day, so <laughs> this isn't some reheated, unfrozen or anything. And, and much of the things that we have are fresh. Uh, we have a huge kitchen staff and do that. Some things are you know obviously get prepared a bit in advance, but to have those fresh every day, and we're only going to have a limited number of them each day. They're just too time consuming and everything else. So I would encourage everybody to get here and try to take advantage of that. And are there any other items beyond the uh, the pretzel dog that people need to sample? Yeah, I, it, it, there are a number of things. I would also say there's a huge nacho plate. It's a great sharing item, and uh, it tastes really delicious. There's a, And also we've got Omaha Steaks in the building doing, and we're using them in a number of, uh, for the burgers and, and steak sandwiches. But also the thing I'm, I've, I've tried, which I would grade, are the fajitas. The steak fajitas are really excellent. And... In part two, you've got, a, as you mentioned at the top, a really good product. What do you like most beyond the, the fact that there are a lot of familiar players about this group? Well, they, they've grown up in the – many of them have grown up in the organization. Uh, so they're not just here from last year, but <clears throat> a number of them are minor leaguers. I like the idea that uh, especially the – obviously the pitching – uh, to get glad to get Tyler Glasnow back for you know most of a season, if not you know basically a full season for him because he sort of limit his innings were limited anyway. Uh, Jeffrey Springs, who signed with us a longer term contract, to me was is just a joy to watch. As is obviously uh, All Star starter Shane McClanahan. Um, our bullpen, you know, we feel great about, but I'm always uh, I'm always concerned about what the bullpen's going to do. And I think this year, as the bullpen goes, we'll go the Rays, and uh, we're excited to see it all come together. And on the offensive side, I think the interesting thing is watching in spring training how many young, talented position players there now are. Yeah, we, we have had the last two seasons, and I'll probably get it wrong a little bit, two years ago, we had an all-time great record uh, in, our minor league, uh, in our minor league teams. Uh, it was crazy, you know, the number of championships we won. And last year we had the best record of all the – uh, of all the my, of all the organizations with minor league baseball teams, which you know the other 29 teams, and that doesn't happen by mistake. It's through a lot of hard work that our staff does uh, along the way and development that our staff does along the way. But it's indicative, you you know that that does turn into professional baseball players who know what they're doing up here, uh, and we think we've got it covered, and we've got more coming, and we actually for the first time I think in our history it feels even well more so on the offensive side of the ball than on the defensive side of the pitching, 
And that does concern me a bit, but uh, rest assured that pitching is always going to be uh, my first and our first focus here. And one other change that's occurred this year is the more balanced schedule. I'm curious your take on that and how much it can help the Rays and maybe all the teams in this division. Yeah, I, uh, I've been pushing for it since the day we came on. I recognize uh, it will cost us some attendance because, uh, you know, certain teams in the American League East, they turn out a little better. You know, fans turn out for those clubs a bit more so. Even our own fans, you know, wait to see Red Sox games or Yankee games. Um, you know, even the Blue Jays, because they train here in Dunedin, it's a little bit. But we, we get so many Yankee and Red Sox fans in those games, it's still quite a bit off-putting. But by the same token, we're thrilled to have them in the building, and it makes for an exciting time. But we're, I'm very much looking forward to, over the next two years, having every team in this building. Uh, and, you know, there, we could go six years be, between that happening and before there was interleague play consistently. Uh, that didn't even happen. We just had your, your crosstown rivals, so to speak, the Marlins. Um, so we're, we're, you know, I'm excited for that. It'll be great. We get to see all the teams in the game. I think it's a wonderful thing for the fans. And uh, I think from the balance side, as far as uh, it, it helps us out a bit, not having to play the Yankees, Red Sox, Blue Jays, uh, and the Orioles as often as we do, because the AL East is, is, you know, still clearly to me the best division in baseball. Well, let's hope that uh, it also leads to even greater success this year. Let's hope for great success on and off the field. And we appreciate some time on This Week in Race Baseball. Well, thank you. I thank all the fans for listening in, and I look forward to seeing you out at the ballpark. That's principal owner Stuart Sternberg. Now, we discussed the 25th anniversary, and Sunday includes Don Zimmer going into the first Hall of Fame class. We also discussed Zim with Widow Soot in a special 25th anniversary podcast. First of all, I've been all over this country with him in baseball, but to be here at home and be with the Rays, that was very special. For the first time in his life, he lived where he was you know, on a ball team, and that to me that was great. But the, the Rays even hired him. I'll never forget when he went down. Can I tell this little story? Mm-hmm. Years ago, uh, Lou Pinola was the manager and Vince Pinoli. They called him up after he came home from the Yankees and re- more or less retired, asked him to come down for, for lunch. You know, you know, baseball people, they do. So he went down. When he came home, he said, Mom, I'm working again. And you can catch all of that Don Zimmer Hall of Fame podcast on Apple, Spotify, and RaceBaseball.com slash podcast. I want to thank all the guests on the program today, Jason Adam, Brian Anderson, Peter Bendix, and also Ray's principal owner, Stuart Sternberg. If you ever have something you want to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me at Neil Solons. Thanks to Derek DuBose, plus on-site assistance from Chris Miller, Becca Carney, Parker Welsh, and uh, also Alex Fuse. I'm Neil Solon. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next. This is the Rays Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted to the air. Way up there. Into right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front 4-1. to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it at RaysBaseball.com slash radio.